Sexuality, gender, race. Debates that shouldn't be debates. Because these identity categories do not define anyone's person's worth. Yet, in our white, cis-patriarchal world, they do. Causing discrimination and pain to many holding non-normative identities. At the same time, these identity categories have also been widely reclaimed and function as liberating and joyful for many. Today I'm talking to Noor about the relation to her sexuality, gender and race. We are talking about norms, expectations, euphoria, from her perspective as a queer person of color, as well as a creator and artist. Queering the Perspective with Bela Bellissima. Hello, hello, and welcome to this third episode of Queering the Perspective, the podcast. I'm really excited to be sitting here virtually with Noor. Hi. Hello. <laughs> and Happy to be here with you too. Yay. And um, yeah, before we get started, we um, I wanted to ask you, so what are, what are your pronouns? What are your, the pronouns you would like to use today? And then a random question. So where are you spending your lockdown at the moment? And what has been a rejuvenating lockdown activity? Okay, so my pronouns are she, her. And then for the random question, I am spending the lockdown in Brussels. A lockdown activity that I did that was quite rejuvenating was... I spent an evening with uh, three friends that do dancing and it was really nice because they're very much into doing body stuff. So we, we did a lot of stuff around touching, movement, dancing, and that felt really good. Yeah, I can really imagine. Also here in my lockdown in Maastricht, we're also doing little dance sessions every now and then and just doing different embodiment exercises because yeah i think it's so important when we are not we are not touching each other that we don't lose this human connection and also this like this sense of intimacy yeah really nice all right then to start off with our with our conversation today i wanted to ask you how do you feel relating to your sexuality today yeah, I feel quite. I feel gratitude in relation to my to my sexuality because of the feeling uh, I have that I get to know it better. Like, uh, for instance, in, in the past two years, I've realized that I uh, feel attracted to women and to non-binary people, and it's very liberating because before I thought I only had this towards cis men, and then yeah, now. Now that I see that that's not the case, I just feel so much better in my body because of the pleasure that I can experience. Although, this is the other part of it, I also feel like I have so much more to discover. And yeah, that's intriguing. And like, I'm curious to see what's what else is, is coming. Yeah, this really reminds me of the conversation I had the last time about bisexuality with a really good friend of mine from Berlin who um, who was saying like I didn't even know this world existed you know like I was so stuck into my heteronormative framework that all I could think about was yeah cisgender men 
that I wanted to be with and that were attracting me and that I really had a hard time accepting and also embracing to be with women and with non-binary people. And um, yeah, so I was wondering a little bit like, how did that change for you? Like where, at, at what point did you realize, okay, actually, you know, there's no need to really fit into this heteronormative framework anymore? When I look back, I think there's, um, I can see me liking many uh, women or like girlfriends. Um, and there's one in particular that I liked in my first year of university. But while I, and, and she liked me back, but while that was happening, it, it wasn't really clear to me. I mean, now it seems quite clear. But in the moment, I think I, I just, because I was pushing down all of these feelings, I wasn't able to really look at them. But I think that's the moment I realized. I mean, it was when this friend had a, a female partner and the the feelings of jealousy that that triggered that I could not, I could not <laughs> go away from. Um, yeah, and then when, uh, when I kissed this person, it, it became clear that I, re I really liked it. I, yeah, as I, as I was telling someone the other day I felt like that was the first time that I kissed someone and that then I was feeling like I would love to go further with them like we were in a bar and I was like let's, let's just go home <laughs> and uh, it was the first time that I was sexually aroused by kissing someone and so even also compared to before when you were with cisgender men you never felt this arousal I never felt this arousal just, yeah, just by kissing someone. But I think it's also like heteroculture is sometimes a bit strange. Like when I think about it, guys I've kissed in similar situations in ours are guys I didn't really know that well. But I definitely think I have more sexual attraction towards women than I do towards men. Mm -hmm. At least at that point or at this point, yeah. yeah. And today... And how far is your sexual identity ingrained in your self-understanding? Like, and to what extent, you know, do you really see this as a strong signifier of who you are? Mm, quite big, I would say. Um, because I think it really, for me, it really has changed the way I just move myself, the way I take space, the way... I want to be looked at the way I look. I mean, it changes completely who I am. Yeah. So in that sense, I, yeah, it's a big, big one for how I see myself. It's a little bit of, I think, yeah, if I think about myself, it's a bit of a rebirth, no? It's a complete, like, reconfiguration and a new world in a mm -hmm. sense also. Totally, yeah, yeah, totally, 100%. Is it the same for you then? I mean, I think for me, when when I started, started perceiving myself as not being heterosexual, I mean, of course, at first you have this element of, of like stigmatization and like internalized homophobia that doesn't allow you to embrace this identity. But I think once I once I reached this point where I was proud of my identity and owning and cherishing and celebrating this identity it became 
really powerful and I really really had the feeling that I gotten to know myself so much better and um mm-hmm. and of course I think for me and this is actually also what I wanted to ask for you it's it's very political at the same time like it's very personal of course like it is about who you are attracted to who you want to be with but but at the same time it's also political in the sense at least for me that you know it's a non-normative identity which immediately in like status quo understanding outcasts you to a certain extent you know like you're no longer able to really fit into this like normative understanding of human beings yeah i mean for sure it is political uh that's certain and yeah it is also yeah it is linked to to the fact that yeah as you say you're you can't fit into this heteronormative Mm, I ideal in a way like you can't go to a to rent an apartment with your looking as it has to look partner or as it's supposed to look um yeah I mean for me the political part I also feel like it is about like showing that it, it, it is and showing that it is possible and showing and in a way kind of through just my existence and 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 my and my space in my taking space in the public public sphere being able to maybe shift things a little bit you know like that the i mean i think if you look at the next generation like at well not even next generation at people who are like maybe seven years younger than us mm-hmm. fucking hell they're <laughs> like i love it yeah. At 15, they're all, like, super with their rainbow flags and stuff. It's really nice. Yeah, that's so true, actually. At least here in Brussels. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, of course, in other parts of the world, it's not like this. But here in Brussels, yeah. Yeah. But I think this is a really beautiful realization that also norms are there to be changed, right? Like, there's no concept that remains static, but it always changes it changes according to the time space context and this reminds me a lot of a conversation i had um the other day also with um my host family from the united states like when i was 16 i was like i went to the united states to study for like a year in a high school like and we still keep in touch like the family that i was living with and they're like we're really close and the mom was just telling me the other day that like with their kids it's so normal for all of their friends to be bisexual to be pansexual to be non-binary changing their pronouns almost on a daily and their Mm -hmm. kids are so so used to it you know as exactly as you said it's really not a big deal anymore because the norm has shifted towards sexuality being so fluid and gender also being so fluid and also a thing that you can self-define and I think when I when I heard that I was really touched to be honest because I still remember for me it was a completely different year um, when I grew up and and I was also thinking you know like when I tell them maybe they are not like maybe they wouldn't be so happy or they wouldn't really understand what it means to be non-binary but they were like yeah for sure like I know so many friends of my kids that are also (laughs) non-binary Yeah, I can understand how that would make you happy. What, like, yeah, so nice to tell this about uh, to your like parents, even if it's not your biological parents. 
And when we're already starting, like when we're already talking about fluidity of identity in terms of sexuality, I was wondering, um, did this exploration of your sexuality also trigger other exploration or curiosity to explore other parts of your identity? I think, um, interestingly enough, it's tr like, I think it's not necessarily expected, but yeah, the fact that I, I, I mean, when I, I, I was starting to be with uh, other people and cis men, I, I also started to question more my race because I was uh, with a person who was, um, let's say, quite racially conscious or they didn't um, avoid the topic of race and it was quite present in our relationship at the beginning also. I think through them being curious about me and therefore being curious about how I lived my race and all of this, they opened up a world that I hadn't really opened before so much. I mean, I did a bit, but not not that much. They, they kind of forced me in a way to define myself more in terms in, racially. So that's on one end. And then on the other, I think also in terms of my gender, yeah, it also makes made me question more my gender because I, um, yeah, through not wanting to, I mean, through, through detaching from wanting to please like cis men eyes, let's say, I, yeah, as I said, I, I also could redefine how I moved, how I was, and the and this I feel also made me shift from, um, let's say, normalized femininity. I would even say, and this could also open more more options in the way I I, I presented myself and and opened up some questions about my gender too. Yeah. So I would say in this those two directions. Yeah. Beautiful. And in terms of your gender, because you just talked about it, um, what are what are your current what are your current thought processes? Because I guess in the beginning you were saying like you use she she her pronouns and mm -hmm. you still like you see yourself as a woman. Um, mm -hmm. But but then but then on the on the in the same time you are questioning you are questioning sort of like traditional norms of femininity. So what, how exactly do you configure yourself within sort of this arrangement? <laughs> that's a, that's a, a really good question because I, I don't know if I can really answer it. I'm like in the midst of this question. So it feels very difficult to, to phrase something about that. But um, what I would say is that Yeah, definitely, I feel like it does me a lot of good to detach from things that are expected from me because of being a female-assigned person. And um, that I feel like a lot of them are not me, like are just things I learned, but that, yeah, it feels like I was trying to fit a mold in a way. And this is more in the emotional, social uh, kind of aspect. And then body-wise, um, which, I mean, they don't have to be necessarily linked, but for me, it's, um, 
I like what I feel is like I, I don't like the way my body can be looked at mm -hmm. but I feel I feel quite quite good in my body um, regardless yeah as I said I don't think these two are, are necessarily linked so for sure on like how I am there's a lot that I am that I have deconstructed deconstructed that I am deconstructing and that I hope to deconstruct. Um, but I don't know what this says about my gender. I, I think I'm, mm -hmm. I mean, I feel quite comfortable with saying I'm a cis woman. Okay. I feel this way, but other days different. Yeah, and I also think that's beautiful to see that um, gender is also so fluid in any aspect and it can really change on a daily or it can change mm -hmm. within weeks or months or years and you can feel like that for a period of your life and then switch and um, mm -hmm. one thing that you said really made me um, reflect now I forgot what it was um, ah yeah um, one thing you said really made me reflect is that even with gender and within the whole uh, sort of non-binary trans community, there's so much of a distinction of, you know, trans and cis. And mm -hmm. in the end, that's also like a binary opposition, right? In the sense, like trying to mm -hmm, break the mm -hmm. binary is creating another binary. Of course, like this is... This is because cis people don't accept that there are other gender non-conforming people and that there's actually a universe of genders out there. So you, so it's necessary mm -hmm. to uh, to press it into this one pillar of, okay, we are transgender. Doesn't mean right. we are the, we're, everybody is the same person, everybody has this, the same experience, um, mm -hmm. but it all falls under, this, under the same category. And maybe that... Right. And that just made me made me um, think when you were saying like I still I still feel super comfortable with being a woman, but I don't feel, you know I I do feel like I want to explore, and maybe this distinction also makes it a little bit hard to say that, you know like, is there a is there a middle ground? You know, I mean yeah mm -hmm. I don't know if that made any sense. <laughs> it did make sense to me, yeah especially uh, when you talk about this binary that we're, that is is created between trans and cis people. And to be honest, when I said, yeah, I feel quite comfortable saying I'm a cis woman, it didn't feel comfortable. <laughs> and I feel like when, when we've talked about this, um, me knowing it's not recording, I feel like my answer is quite different and I allow myself to be more confused and more like... But now that I know, like other people will hear it it's like i feel pressure to place myself very clearly mm -hmm. also to not fall into you know like if uh, if i would say i'm trans like it's like it's very clear i'm trans you know mm -hmm. otherwise you you can't say you're like just somewhere in the middle because that middle doesn't exist and then it's just like i don't know if this makes sense to you what do you think no this? i think that's is such an interesting case example of like cis normalcy or like mm -hmm. yeah cis cis normativity in a sense you know that also you just now felt this extreme crazy need to define yourself as a cis woman you know mm -hmm. 
I think mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's also interesting, like why we're trying to, like we are trying so hard <laughs> to deconstruct like sexuality. We and we did with you, and now we're trying to deconstruct this gender aspect as well. But like while we're doing that, it constructs itself yeah. again, um, which I think is because there's so much of like internalized transphobia that we also have is that Mm. we always think yeah i mean cis people cisgender people are the norm and everything that sort of like diverges from the norm is in a sense weird and also we don't want confusion right like we want we are living in a Mm -hmm. extremely rational society right rational capitalist society Mm. where it's like reason over superstition and like certainty over doubt um if you want to make something out of yourself um so i think mm-hmm. i think this being like fluid in the identity and saying like actually i'm not so sure i don't know so much maybe is a little bit is is not a little bit but is undervalued and just not seen as something desirable but rather you're supposed to really define yourself as like okay i'm a lesbian and i'm a non-binary person and i am cisgender you know yeah yeah i think to be honest this uncertainty and this doubt and this like exploration can feel uh okay within me like okay but then it's more the pressure of not like causing problem to the outside world you know, of not being a confusion to others. Yeah. That then it's like, okay, yeah, I'm conf- I don't know. I'm like exploring this. Uh, da, 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 da. But I'm a cis woman. Like, as far <laughs> as of now, I haven't like gone anywhere else. So I'll go, I'll tell you what you can place me as so that you feel comfortable and so that it's okay for you. Yeah. And, and you don't leave this conversation being like, okay, but then like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. I would completely agree that there's this need to create this very solid external identity of yours so that you are supposed to be placed in categories. Um, but what I thought was really interesting what you said is how you feel it in the inside and that you feel like inside it's okay to wonder and it's okay to explore. And this reminds me of, of a poem that I that I read the other day of um, Elok Vade. Menon, who is a gender non-conforming activist from the States, and um, they were talking about like gender and transness as joy, you know, and as a multiplicity and as an infinity. That if you allow to ask these questions, it can also feel extremely joyful because you're actually allowing to get to know yourself. Right, a bit in the same way as with sexuality. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it would be quite, quite like a coincidence that you've been assigned the gender that actually feels good to you. Yeah. Because there's so many, <laughs> there's so many possibilities. Yeah. And I think a lot of the times, especially when, when we talk about gender, the, the discourse is also quite still stigmatizing and medicalized also to a certain extent, because I guess like transgender was perceived a few decades ago still as like the only as being transvestites and being transsexual and so this idea that in order to be accepted as a transsexual you needed to have 
gender dysphoria you needed to feel uncomfortable and your gender mm-hmm. needed to be a source of pain that you needed to that you need to overcome and and then be a transsexual person but a binary transsexual person so you're like a trans woman or a trans man so that erases this dysphoria because then you again fit in and you are within one of the two categories and you have overcome the pain and mm-hmm. and what I what I see a lot now and what I also really resonate with is to not perceive gender as a dysphoria but as a euphoria to think that it actually it's yeah it's the cause of joy and it's the cause of like it allows you to be playful yeah this thing of experiencing gender as a euphoria i understand this that then like i mean or at least i think so how i interpret it is like sometimes i'll wear some clothes or i'll mm. i'll present myself in a way that feels um yeah that i just feel like oh wow i look so good in this and i love how people will perceive me with me wearing this and it feels really good and kind of euphoric yeah but not feeling without feeling so much of the opposite yeah definitely i think just feeling good about reconstructing the reconstructing your Mm. own gender on a daily by what you wear by how you Mm -hmm. talk by how you walk by how you interact with people and really um trying to detach yourself from these like toxic normative um archetypes of how you should behave according to like extreme femininity or extreme masculinity like these hegemonic ideals yeah and I wanted to come back to what you referred to also in the beginning when I asked you about what did your sex, uh, what did your exploration of sexuality, how did it influence your identity? And you were talking about race, so I wanted to ask if you would like to elaborate a bit on like how you also see your race as being in flux in a sense. I think this is linked to the fact that, of course, I've had experiences of racialization at school or as particularly in my family, but this has been uh, denied a lot in, in like my family or like, I don't know, uh, my grandmother would say that I would be more beautiful if my hair was straight or at school I would be bullied or stuff like that. But then when I would talk about this, it would be like, no, but sorry no but you're you're white like so so there was a bit of this okay i'm white like my my experiences of racialization were not still allowed me to be white or to to see myself as white because that's what the important people in my life would reflect back to me but then in this like uh in this relationship i mean which is not entirely linked to the fact that it was a non-normative relationship but um yeah this person would reflect back like no you're not white <laughs> and so this like that's what i meant that then it yeah it um it's some some exploration again started me yeah I, I think like the first time was when I I was invited to uh so this is outside of the relationship, but outside of the relationship I was invited to uh um 
to our research about women and Afro hair and how women perceive themselves differently because of having Afro hair. And like this was a right for me because I, 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 was, I saw myself as like a white person with Afro hair. I think because my, my skin is quite fair. Um, and then seeing how I was perceived in that group and seeing also the pain and the anger and other emotions of these women, uh, yeah, it enabled me to tap into my own and to look at some experience I had pre- I had, had as what they were, they were. But to come back to like sexuality and race, because as I talk, I also, also some things come to me. I think it's also very much in the body, right? Like mm-hmm. I, I feel like also, I mean, I remember seeing the hands of my partner on my body. Not that it was the first sexual relationship I had, like not, not that I'd never had hands on my naked body, but, or white hands on my naked body. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, yeah, in that case, I, I saw how like my body was actually darker than I perceived in my head. I really think there was a dissonance mm. between how I looked mm-hmm. And between how I and and the image I had constructed of myself, and through questioning that with this partner, I was able to deconstruct part of that. Does it make sense to you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot. I think this was. I think this was a really beautiful story. I think, especially with this, um, with this image of white hands on your body. I think, I think, yeah, it's it's quite. I can imagine it as being quite a revelation moment when you're like, wait, but you know, like it doesn't, it like it's, there is this dissonance as you said, you know, and that Mm -hmm. there is so much that I didn't know about myself or that I constructed, which I now feel like is not adequate anymore. And I don't perceive myself like that anymore. Yeah. And I was Mm -hmm. just wondering like, how did, how did this like, deconstruction feel like did it feel empowering of like also with gender and sexuality we talked of like getting to know yourself or was it also a little bit like threatening or was it scary to think oh actually you know I'm I'm not so white and also I mean I, I guess at that point you also you already knew quite a bit about racism and like what does it mean now like am I racializing myself or something like this so I was wondering like what did you make out of this experience or this realization on one end it has been like liberating and transforming being able to talk about stuff I've lived leave it in my body again like kind of um, liberating it in a way um, I feel like it has done me so much good and also creating communities mm. where yeah I can find strategies also i mean i wasn't thinking about that but also yes just strategies to to combat racism but also just that kind of kind of chosen family in a way yeah um this is on one end like on one end it feels really good and and again i mean i'm happy that to feel like i see myself more as what i am instead of again trying to fit into a mold that doesn't uh, that doesn't fit to me, but yeah. On the other end, um, it has been also very difficult, particularly with my biological family, because I 
So I, I, I grew up with my mother only, and my father is the person who's black. My mm-hmm. mother is, is white. And um, yeah, my, my mom's family is overly racist. So then when I, when I uh, acknowledged experiences of racism I had, which many have been within my family and yeah. very much denied, that has been quite painful and has detached myself from my family in a way too. Because it's like, I think the reasons why my experiences were denied is because they couldn't accept that they had like a person of color in their family. Mm. Like, and uh, and it feels also like to be part of their family, you have to be white. Or at least that's how, that's the narrative I create in mm. my head in a way. So, so it feels like I'm not really part of them anymore. And also there's so much of who I am today that I cannot share. Like, for example, with my mother, I'm doing this project where I'm working with uh, black women only, like black or mixed race women only. And uh, she was asking me about this project. At first, I didn't really want to talk about it with her. And then she mm. insisted. So I, I told her, yeah, well, it's just that um, it's going to be open only to Afro-descendant women. So I don't feel. And then she was like, oh, so you're doing a ghetto. <laughs> this oh is very recent, so I think. Wow. Yeah, she was like, "But if it's open just to a descendant woman, what's the aim of it? Like, <laughs> what's its what is its purpose? If white eyes can see it, why are you doing this?" And I was like, "What the fuck? Are they paying you for this?" And I was like, "Yes." <laughs> and and so of course, now when I see when I have these experiences, and instead of like pushing it down, I like I'm like, okay, this is what it is. Yeah it creates a separation with yeah. my family. But maybe in the end, it's not that bad. And that's also positive. Yeah. Mm. And it really can be both at the same time, right? It can be you being so much more self-assured, self-confident, self-aware, and also empowered through your community and the work that you do, while at the same time, of course, causing difficult, difficult conversations. But these difficult conversations need to happen right like it cannot you cannot just you cannot just blend into this like overtly racist environment when you're so much more self-assured at this point of your own identity and of your of your race um it this needs to happen it's also this is not something that they can also suppress any longer right like Maybe that's the issue, actually. I think you tap into something very interesting. And it's the fact that I don't think I'm... Like, I think I'm self-assured, indeed, in what I am today. But in regards to my family, there I feel quite like... It's very difficult to have these conversations. Maybe that's yeah. what creates this distance. Is that instead of having the conversations, I prefer just, like, walking away, in a way. Because mm-hmm. it's just too painful. So, I mean, if I would question my mother about that, for example, I know the conversation would be really bad so i just say like you're saying bullshit and then i'm like okay i'm gonna go or or (laughs) something like this i mean in this case i did say that i mean i just like diminish what she says but then i i don't i don't educate her in a way because i just don't have the the patience or nor the hope yeah it's so sad uh and maybe Maybe it is about self-assurance and confidence. Maybe I have built some, but maybe I, I, I can build some more yeah. and then feel like I'm strong enough to yeah. actually confront yeah. this bullshit that my family has. Yeah. 
And I guess this is also, yeah, it's a huge emotional labor, right? This is like also socialization that your whole family has been like perpetuating for years and centuries, you know? And it's not like two conversations are going to just shift this over. So, yeah, I think it's also completely understandable that you don't want to put yourself in this position um, Mm -hmm. and rather, you know, like work on on the work that you're doing and um, and understanding yourself better and also like understanding your effort descendants better and and exchanging viewpoints with others in this in this in the projects and the work that you do. Yeah, definitely, like, do change where I feel like more change can happen. Yeah. Because in the end, yeah, if, if you haven't changed your views by having, like, Afro-descendant people in your family, I feel like there's little that can happen in a way. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to ask quickly... Um, what exactly is the work that you do? I think you already like you already pointed to it that it's a work that's only um, with Afro-descendant women, and that it's like um, a project where you work together, but also direct together. Um, but what exactly is the concept? And yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is um, like an artistic project that I'm having with, as I said, five Afro-descendant women. And what we're doing, I mean, initially we were going to do a theater performance with uh, video installations in it. And we were going to just like present it in a theater, but it was just before COVID happened. Uh. So then, I mean, at first we continued with this idea, thinking that COVID wouldn't last very long. But then now that it seems like it's going to last for a, a, a bit longer, uh, we changed our plans and we're creating a, a digital platform uh, on which Afro-descendant women and uh, trans people can put their their creations. And also with a tab, which would be like work in progress in order to create collaborations also through this digital platform, despite the, the current situation. Yeah. And I'm, I'm super excited about it because also we're trying, we're, well, I mean, we're finding ways to to pay these people because i think in in these times there's so many like calls to do art but to do free art as if it was a hobby for most artists and uh i mean maybe it is for most artists a hobby i don't know um but there's a lot of people who live out of it and even for people who is just a time thing and it's not okay to consider it as just free great work as yeah. like ent- entertainment or something uh especially in communities that already have a harder time to to get into uh, the mainstream institutions that are the ones that pay you best um so yeah so we're, we're trying to create that and then now we, we've been in our residency at the kai theater which is one of these mainstream institutions so i feel like the work is also about like learning to move in these institutions yes. like it's 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 our 12th day there today and in the first days we did the how do you call this the, in english like the wash like the of plates and stuff washing uh, like yeah washing like we washed the dishes washing yeah. the dishes exactly 
we wash the dishes of everyone because everyone would just leave their dishes on the table and we would just like i mean they had a, a washing machine but we would put everything in the washing machine you know we would we would be like the we would do the work of the because there's one person that is supposed to do that so that the artist can just concentrate on their work but we felt so much like okay we don't own this space so we need to show that we're good and that we can be invited that we would like stuff that we didn't have to do and then it's also a learning that um that we can be there as any other person would be there like mm. not doing the the dishes yeah yeah and taking taking the space and and taking it as yours that you deserve it also and that you are that you are there for a reason that you're doing this art because i guess these institutions have been whitewashed or not even whitewashed but exactly. just white dominated and also i guess like Oof. straight and cis dominated for ever <laughs> yeah yeah i have to say though i have to give a bit of credit we were we were saying with we were on a table having lunch and we we're like we haven't had one microaggression it was uh -oh. really great actually yeah so it's uh, maybe that's also a positive note for yeah. those who would listen us. There's change also happening in these institutions. Yeah. Yeah, and that maybe it's also not so productive to always think like, oh, these white institutions and us like marginalized people. But in the end, like you are also the source of change, right? Like through this work that you're doing, people also come mm -hmm. closer, right? Like it's it's not i think again like it's not a polarity it's not a binary people and uh, not a binary opposition between the center and the margins but in the mm -hmm. in the end like everything is fluctuating and now there is clearly the need for change and then maybe the very last point that i wanted to address is now we've talked about sexuality we've talked about gender we've talked about race so what really comes to my mind in this intersection is the concept of intersectionality. And um, I was wondering how you how you relate to the concept or this or this idea of yeah multiple forms of identities intersecting and creating a identity as a whole for you. Mm -hmm. um, I mean of, of course I I see it as very useful to look at my own experience and at the experience of many others. Yeah, it's a concept that, that uh, I'm very thankful for its uh, creation. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's coinment. <laughs> Although I, I have to say, like, there was a, a Brussels activist that was talking about, like, how even the term is being whitewashed, mm -hmm. because at first it's, it, like, emerged in uh, Black communities, of course with Crenshaw, and even before Crenshaw, there was others talking already about inter intersectionality, maybe not exactly in the same terms, but in any case, within the Black community too. And and yeah, how, like, I, I know there's, I know a lot of people who claim that the term should be let to be ju just within this community still, yeah. instead of, like, being used for a gay woman or... Yeah. No, I guess that's also, the, I guess it's it's with quite a lot of things, even when there are a concept to empower marginalized people and particularly like racialized bodies, then those concepts are also many times like reappropriated. It's a, it may be similar to this idea that, you know, like 
you have post-colonialism but that's also like whitewashed to a certain extent you know like saying like mm -hmm. oh, okay we are thinking post-colonial it's already like it's a certain form of yeah it's it's making you it's making you look better without really doing much to mm -hmm. to fight and co to combat colonial continuities <laughs> but that's why just to to bring it back to the institution i feel like for example in that case there there's real work that is done and that's what's important like not stopping at like the labels and the bare minimum but to actually change things structurally right mm -hmm. to question like how things have been built and to and to deconstruct that to change that And then maybe say, or not even say anything, doing it, that's it. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much, Noor, for taking the time um, to talk to me. I think we touched upon some really interesting and important points. And I feel like I've learned a lot and I really feel happy and grateful to talk to you, to have talked to you. That feels so like warm to hear. Thank you. I also, I also like talking about it. Have a wonderful day. Enjoy the sun. And thank you. Thank you everybody for listening. Ciao, ciao. Queering the Perspective with Bela Bellissima. <laughs>